More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com today. Cancerscreeninfo.com. Today on the Zabecast, sports can inspire, sports can amaze, but sometimes sports just leaves you slack-jawed saying, did that really happen? Andy Poland joins me on a Monday. Albert Hainsworth's kidney problem. Josh Norman jumping bulls. Do sports TV ratings matter anymore? And his take on the bagel bite of Long Island. All that plus the legend of Grandmaster Flush. Your bonus, 45 minutes of little old me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. This is ground ball to second base, Red Heeple falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. There are some things in sports that just don't stand the test of rational explanation, and that was one of them. Wow. On a night in which the fallen L.A. Angel, Tyler Skaggs, was honored at home with every player on the team wearing his number 45 jersey and with his mother throwing out the first pitch and throwing a dead strike at that from what looked to me like regulation distance. The following things all happened after that. Skaggs, well, his mom throws out the first pitch. It's a no-hitter. Oh, by the way, 13-0 no-hitter. Mike Trout hits a home run on his first swing wearing Skaggs' number 45. It went 454 feet. 45, 454. It's the franchise, it's their franchise 11th no-hitter. Skaggs wore number 11 in high school. They scored seven runs in the first, 13 runs total, and Skaggs' birthday is on 7-13. And the game was played on the 12th, but still, that's pretty darn close. It's amazing stuff. And then the photos afterwards of every player laying their number 45 Skaggs jersey on the mound for their fallen teammate is just incredible, powerful stuff. And with that, we say welcome aboard, and thank you very much for downloading. Thank you as well uh, for always listening to this particular podcast. I have said all along at the end of this podcast, hey, you know, if you subscribe to Fridays, it's only $1.33 a week. That's what I've been saying. Stupid me, I've been just like, uh, what's five bucks divided by four? Think in four weeks in a month. Todd Homan writes to say, hello, Zabe. Hi, Todd. Todd, 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 Todd. Longtime listener and happy, willing subscriber. I love the return to the old daily format, having a new podcast waiting for me every morning where I can hear a voice of reason and regularly laugh out loud makes my day. Well, thank you. That's what I aim to do. Been trying to avoid calling you out on this, though, but you've been closing every podcast recently stating the premium version or subscriber version is $1.33 per week. And my finance mind simply can't take it anymore. I know Matthew's not your strong suit, but let me help you sort it out. At $4.99 per month and four weeks per month, 
At worst, it'd be $1.25 per week. At $59.88 per year, that's $4.99 times 12. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down, Todd. I'm not a supercomputer, okay? It would be $1.15 per week. The only thing I can figure is the $1.33 was across three weeks, but that's only $3.99 a month, not $4.99. So I don't even know where you got that number from, Zabe. But in case you're overstating the cost, or best case, he says you're overstating the cost, and who knows? That extra 8 to $0.18 cents weekly might be the difference in somebody else subscribing. Loyal listener forever, Todd Homan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> Good. I like it. Very funny. And I'll take it. You're right. Math is absolutely the worst with me. Here's some math that I can certainly understand. The Packers held their annual shareholder meeting this past weekend, I believe, and they've moved it up. It usually has been later in, I think they've moved it up a week. It seemed like it was always later. It seemed like I was always up there when I was visiting for the Bob and Brian Open that they would have this thing, and I would always say, God, I'd love to go to that, but I'm A, I'm not a shareholder, and B, I don't know, I'd probably say, this is boring, boo! Andrew Brando used to work in the Packers front office. You've now heard him and seen his writings. He's a very good writer of all things business of football, business of sports. Andrew Brandt wrote the following tweet. He said, key number from the annuals Packer financial report. Packers, by the way, being a bit of a, not totally a public trust, but they have more public reporting obligations than other NFL teams. We get the deepest peek into the owner's uh, wallets and their pocketbooks and their spreadsheets with the Packers and any other team. Key number from the annual Packers financial report, $274 million. What's that, right, Sprant? It's the national TV distribution to each team before they even turn the lights on. Oh, by the way, the player's salary cap is 180 million. Writes Brant, these are salad days for NFL owners. Yeah, I, I'm not good at math, but I'm going to say that these owners are probably making at least $100 million a year without even trying. I mean, without even trying. If they break even on opening the stadium and charging for parking and charging for concessions, they're breaking even. Uh, excuse me, they're breaking, if they're breaking even on that, which you know they're not, you know they're making money on that. And that doesn't even count all the other revenue streams. My God, $100 million a year. And the value of franchises keeps going up and up and up. And they're going for 18 games. Andy and I will talk about that in just a bit. couple other items before we get to Andy. Speaking of money, LeBron James wanted to do something nice for Anthony Davis who not only uh, agreed to waive a trade kicker to help the Lakers out in terms of cap space, although some speculate he's going to be paid that money under the table or even above board as his talent fee or his acting fee for being in the god-awful soon-to-be-released Space Jam 2 with LeBron James. But LeBron wanted to do something nice for Anthony Davis, and so he said, here, you wear 23, I wear 23, take my Lakers number 23. It was all going to go according to plan with LeBron until the league said, whoa, 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 whoa. 
We have uh, about a billion of these Laker 23 jerseys printed up. Okay, not a billion, but a substantial amount. So if you want to do this, let's see. And then you start doing the, the calculation. Uh, that would be carry the one and at 49.95 plus overages. Uh, yeah, you would owe us the 14.7 million dollars. I might be underestimating it greatly. That's what the league essentially said. They go, yeah, whoa, hold on a second. We print these up in large quantities. You are the most popular player in the league. So yeah, can't really change on the fly like that. So apparently it's going to be delayed a year so that they can work through the backlog. And then maybe next year, LeBron will give Anthony Davis his number 23. It's just nice to see one thing in this league that LeBron doesn't get whenever he wants. There's footage of Patrick Mahomes throwing a football clean out of Arrowhead Stadium. Well, technically over the top row of the seats and onto a concourse. It was shot from the 41 Action News helicopter. And I don't know if it's that impressive. I don't know how far that throw is. I don't know what other quarterbacks could stand in the end zone and throw it out of that particular stadium. I bet you Aaron Rodgers could. I mean, look, we know Mahomes has a silly cannon of an arm, but is that particular stunt necessarily that impressive? I don't know. The NFL has suspended plans to make game officials full-time employees, according to a report. Well, this is interesting. Instead of making the switch to hiring full-time officials, the league will go back to using its previous structure of having a full roster of referees who will work part-time. The decision comes amid ongoing labor talks between the NFL and the NFLRA, as in Referees Association, as their collective deal is set to expire at the end of May. While it's not clear why the league made the decision to suspend the plan, ESPN notes it still could be introduced for next season. Yeah. Gee, why'd you, why'd you change? Money, leverage, negotiations, that's why. Uh, and, and this, if they really follow through with this, and I think it's just a, a, it's a head fake, it's a negotiating tactic, because I'm sure these referees like, sweet, I'm full-time now, bump up my pay, I can quit this other job I have as a topiary artist down at the local uh, big box retail store, or big box hardware store. And I'm good to go. Benefits, pension, full-time, baby. Love it. The NFL's like, wait a minute. Let's not do this now. Negotiating ploy. And if they really do go back to the way it used to be or has always been, then that'll really piss me off because they chased out a lot of referees that had part-time jobs because they saw the writing on the wall. They're like, well, the Ed Hockeys of the world are like, yeah, they're going to make me full-time, and I'm not going to give up my lucrative law career just to sit there and watch tape of NFL games for seven months a year in the offseason. So he essentially said, okay, I'm out. Time to retire. Hope they don't do that, but, well, knowing this league, nothing would shock me. And then there is this. Lamar Odom, disappointed and embarrassed after being cut by the big three. Ice Cube, who is one of the principal owners of this league, said succinctly, we want players who actually play. Ooh, 
sick burn. Odom said that he respects Ice Cube and the other league executives, but he's disappointed the way it's been handled. Uh, Besides the embarrassment, it's disappointing to read on my IG Instagram that this decision had been made, especially without sharing it with myself or my manager. Amen. Look, he wasn't in great shape for game one, but he said he'd have time to get stronger, and he said he was working on it. I kind of side with Lamar in this regard. Hey, bro, I was in a coma. Like, I don't know if you saw the headlines. I was nearly dead. It just is another chapter in one of the most storied books of a colorful athlete in our day and age. And that's why me and my guys have a charity tournament every year in Vegas, the Hope for Lamar, right around the Sweet 16. Me and about 12 other guys, 11 other guys, get together, play Bally High, and we chip in what we can on one particular par three on the back nine. And we forward all those proceeds to the Lamar Odom Foundation. There's no foundation. Oh, there isn't? I wonder where the money's going. Rhino. Ah, I should have known it. Somebody's been skimming that money. Son of a bitch. All right, time to talk to my boy, Andy Poland. Easily... 1A or 1B, I'm not sure which one, to the notorious J-A-Y amongst popular Zabecast regulars. Make you feel good or bad that Jay is right there with you? Well, do I have to do any lobbying to move up? Uh, is there <laughs> any, anything I could do to improve my standing? If I, if I run up the score, you know, like Oklahoma on some Division One AA school, does that help my standing? You know what it is, Andy? It's like two different types of music, equally good. Jay's uh-huh. hip-hop, you are, well, like this song, classic jazz. Like classic yeah. Duke Ellington big band. You're vintage, baby. And, of course, you and I have, what, 16 years together of chemistry and experience? Long time, long time. First time, long time. First time, long time. <laughs> Always enjoy our chats. Okay, let's start with this one. This this news came across like a weird dagger uh, uh, on two different levels. Albert Hainsworth needs a kidney to live. On the one hand, it's like nobody wishes this on anybody. On the other hand, you and I have said just about the worst things possible about Albert Hainsworth up until this point. I've never had it where I've been so bombs away on an athlete and then have something come back at me like, oh, shit. Well, this sucks. <laughs> what, yeah. what, how did you react when you saw the news? Well, as I said to you, I, I'm, I'm sure he's the most despicable athlete ever in the history of this town. I, I can't imagine anybody worse. And, yeah, I mean, nobody deserves to die, and he deserves to get a kidney. Uh, now, I've read where there's been an outpouring, and there's over 100 people who have offered to donate a kidney. I personally wouldn't donate a kidney to Albert Hainsworth, but, but I would hope that he gets one. Uh, you know, I mean, human life is human life. And it's Are precious. you sure, Andy? Well, let's say you were the only match in the entire country or in the entire world, and it was literally down to you donating one of your kidneys or Albert Hainsworth dying, and the whole world was looking at you like, well, Andy, come on. 
Yeah, I would, but I would ask one thing. I would ask for him to make a public apology to the citizens, not just the sports fans, because, you know, he was a public menace when he was here. Uh, Got into a fist fight on the toll road, was groping waitresses downtown, was failing. uh, Someone said to me, could you ask Dr. David Chow on Twitter if Shanahan's to blame for giving him rhabdomyolysis? From the conditioning test, he failed. Because apparently you get rhabdo and it fucks up your kidneys. Okay. Well, first of all, you're a professional football player. You need to to pass the conditioning test. And that was ridiculous. And the whole thing, the way it played out with, you know, (laughs) where he was on his way to passing and he asked in the middle of it if he could go to the bathroom. Right. you know, uh, that was, that was a total embarrassment and, and him laying down during a play at home against the Eagles and Michael Vick, embarrassing the bacon and oxygen card incident where he was carted off in Atlanta. And we thought, well, that's it. He's done for the game. Cause usually when any football player has to ride the card out, they're done. Something's broken, something snapped. And then he comes back later, like three series later. And you're like, what the fuck was that? Embarrassing. Just winded. So, yeah, you know, there's there's not much good you can say about him as, as a human being, but he is a human being, yeah. and he does not deserve to die. Speaking of giving kidneys, like, who would you give a kidney to? Well, obviously, to loved ones, to people who are my friends, I would, of course. <clears throat> Do you need one? No, <laughs> no, not at this time. I'm just, I'm just wondering. It gets me to thinking: should you pre-register? In a non-committal way, which of your friends would give you an organ just in case? So you can well, then go back to them and go, well, you did say in case I needed one, dot, dot, dot. Do, do you follow Jeff Perlman on Twitter? You know Jeff Perlman is. I you? used to. He's so liberal and he's, his timeline is so full of politics. I couldn't take it. I unfollowed him. But go ahead. Okay. Well, his wife was in a Starbucks and saw something, uh, maybe somebody put something on a bulletin board, but she wound up giving a kidney to a stranger. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. She she saw if she was a match, and she was, and she met the person, and she decided to go ahead with it. Well, I hope Albert gets his kidney. I hope the procedure goes swimmingly. I hope he gets a second lease on life, and I really hope, he realizes, holy shit, I've got a lot of amends to make to a lot of people and to just society at large, and he becomes a know. much better person. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he, he can fake sincerity pretty well. Uh, Tom Lavero and I did, I believe, the first broadcast interview with him after he signed with the Redskins, and we were ready to, to unload on him. And he diffused everything right away. You know, he said, I apologize for what I did to Andre Gerard. It's not about the money. I'm just here to win. And, you know, yeah, so yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, and everything, of course, was not true. But he, he was able to at least understand the moment and what he had to say in that moment. Yeah, I'm not. It's all about. I just want to win. It's not about the money. First thing Shanahan did, he's like, we're switching to a three four. Albert, we think you'd be a great nose tackle. And Albert was like, oh, hell no. I ain't yep. playing nose tackle. Oh, well, okay, he, great. He had he had problems with the previous staff too. You know, he was he was thrown out of practice. I believe it was Christmas Day for getting into an argument with uh, Greg Blotch, the defensive coordinator. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Look that up. 
Things that you forget. All right, speaking of the Redskins, Josh Norman seen in Pamplona jumping over a bull. What do you make of that? Well, you know, I, I got into this with Tom Lavero on the air, and, and I was kind of surprised that Lavero was completely okay with it. Um, really? I think, yeah, and, and I brought up this example, and maybe Tom's right on this. I thought, you know, so it was a culture thing. Like, if you play for the Patriots, maybe you don't do something like this. But then he brought up all the things that Gronkowski did when he was a player. So, yeah, whoa, that is a fair Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did Gronk do that was this dangerous? Well, Gronk would get on these, you know, drunk buses, and he would, you know, he he, would, he didn't do anything like running with the Bulls, but he did some things that probably weren't in his best interest in the offseason. Okay. So... But but in um, yeah. terms of like, let's say Norman jumped over a car right. in a in a stunt that he just wanted to put on his Instagram, would people mm-hmm. react the same way? I think they'd go, "That's fucking stupid. What are you doing, man?" See, like I yeah. look at it like he's got a lottery ticket called athletic ability that is mm-hmm. going to pay him twelve million this year. Could probably pay him for three more years in this league if he wants to. It's a lottery ticket. It's money he'll never make at that level ever again. Value that, appreciate that, safeguard that, and don't do dumb shit. Well, I think there's an element of playing pro football that involves some recklessness. And I believe that, you know, once you are in that mindset, you think you can do anything. And, you know, these he's done things that are not mainstream. He's, he's you know, traveled all over Europe. He, he likes to think of himself as an eclectic guy. Right. And maybe he is, but, you know, yeah, I mean, common sense would say, yeah, this is really dumb. You can tear your Achilles or, you know, wreck your knee if you if you do something stupid here. But he decided to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and the video of him jumping over the bull, uh, you know, I would think that if Bill Parcells had him, that kind of thing would be disciplined. Old jokester uh, Jay Gruden, I don't know. I might, you know, this is a guy who had his had his nipple twisted by Deshaun Jackson during practice. So, <laughs> right. So, oh, I, I, I don't bet, think he's going to come down hard on him. I guarantee when camp opens and when Gruden is asked about this, Gruden is going to riff and try to wax funny about it. Gruden's yeah, going to go, i tell you what, man, that bull, I'd like to draft that bull. What, what, what about <laughs> that guy? You know he's going to hey, say... Hey, trying to tackle Ezekiel Elliott? <laughs> Not much easier. Yeah, yeah, he's going to joke about it. By the way, speaking of Gronk, the Patriots did discipline Gronk, or at least they made him apologize for letting that porn star girlfriend wear his Patriots jersey and yeah. posting a photo of it. That's true. So That's they true. have limits there, and, I, you know, I don't know. I just look at it. I, the, the first thing I thought was Josh Norman does not watch enough bull videos gone wrong from Spain because mm-hmm. those are wild animals. That, you know, he must think of it like, well, I play tackle football in the NFL. You don't know how violent that is. I've jumped over guys. I've been run over by guys. This is nothing. Yeah, but that's a wild animal with a sharp horn that with one flick of its torso could impale you in the leg. And then your career is oh. over. Yeah, yeah, there's been six people, uh, I think, prior to the when he jumped over the Bulls that had been Gordon. I think there's been four or five more since. Yeah. yeah. Some, some, uh, some American lawyer from San Francisco got gored in the neck because he was taking a selfie and didn't see the bull coming. Did you see that story? No. Well, I heard somebody got gored in the neck. I didn't know those details. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's, he said he had made it. He made the running of the, 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 the 
cobblestone streets just fine. He got into the ring at the end, and he was climbing up the fence to be safe, and he's like, oh, you know what? I want just a five-second video to prove that I was here, and he climbs down for five seconds, starts filming, and then wham, right in the neck. That's bad. That's bad. The the NFL has now rolled out the first trial balloon of the 18-game schedule with a wrinkle. A wrinkle I've heard somewhere, tap, 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 they say, how about 18 games, but each individual player is limited to just 16. Why, Andy, that's what I've been proposing now for at least two years. Your yeah, thoughts. I've heard I've heard you say that. I, I, I guess I would have to give you the credit for that since uh, I've heard it nowhere else. But uh, I think what's going to happen is they're going to have 18 games and the players are going to suck on it and like it, as Joey Aishin once said. <laughs> right. Because they've been they've been beating the drum for this for a long time, and I like the Mars Smith. I think he's a, a smart guy, but the players always lose, and they're going to lose this one. You know, the the USFL had an 18-game schedule. Now, I realize that's a long time ago, and that's a different league, but I think 18 games can happen. They can also – I also think that maybe a compromise might be to go to two buys, and you can stretch out the season more and get more games in. But uh, I think ultimately there will be an 18-game schedule. And if they come up with something like that, eh, okay. You know, I think one somebody said on the air, I forget who said it, on the Redskins roster, there were only nine players last year that played in all 16. Right. So it may take care of itself anyway. Right. And some of those guys played limited snaps or yeah. they played, but they weren't necessarily 100% and could have used a week off. Or maybe yeah. they played those many games and they had somebody else who could have played that was really no worse than they were. So you wouldn't have missed it. Right. Well, right, but I mean, and maybe you get exemptions because let's say, you know, if you got two games to go and you need to win both to get in the playoffs, and your quarterback has played, you know, sixteen games, what are you going to do? Well, that's the real thing. Now, the reason, part of the reason, I love this idea, in addition to being it, it's my idea, but uh, is that it? <laughs> it's so good for us in our our business because it leads to a lot of strategy and second yeah. guessing. And speculating, right. when are we going to sit so-and-so for his two games? He still has one more to sit. What week should we do it? Then you get a team that sits a key player who's otherwise healthy against an opponent, and the opponent starts chirping that week going, what, you think we're an easy out? You think yeah. we're an easy win? Fuck you. That'll yeah. be fun. Well, or, or you could do this. You could do away with the inactives, dress all 53 each week, and you could start out a game where you say, okay, uh, we're designating Darius Geis, let's say, not to play in this game. And in the first quarter, Adrian Peterson goes down with an injury. Well, you play Geis that week. But if Peterson stays healthy, you don't play him at all, and that's one of his, you know, free games. Yeah. So, you know, that way, that way you don't necessarily lose a game because you had a guy who was inactive uh, based on, you know, having to rest him. What would make a ton of sense or at least what would be the the thing to do if you're really concerned about injuries and safety, you keep it at 16 games, but you knock out two of the preseason games, you make them basically uh, scrimmages, Mm -hmm. and you end any talk of 18 games. 
but they're not yeah. going to do that because you're right. They're hell bent on 18. And here's what I now sense shaping up. The owners play the long game, right, Andy? They they always yep. they're going to be around forever, so they can afford to play the long game. When they were pushing, pushing, pushing for eighteen games, there was also a lot of concussion talk, and that was not sitting well. So what do they do? They shut up as owners about anything regarding eighteen games, and it's easy to get thirty-two billionaires to shut up much more mm-hmm. than it is a whole union of players, right? So they right. went super silent. I didn't hear anything on 18 games for three years, maybe four, maybe it's been forever, right? Nothing. Not a peep. So they go silent on that. While what do they do with the other hand, they start instituting one rule after another. Some of them draconian in the name of safety rules that we hate, right? As fans, because they're throwing flags left and right and left and right and more protocols so now that they've done both of these, here comes the submarine with the NFL shield back up from the depths. <laughs> and yes, now they can they say, also... now they can say, because it's getting close to time where the new deal is going to have to start to be negotiated, right? When All is right. when is the deal up? Well, it's 2021, right? It was yeah. a 10-year deal to 2011. It's right? coming. It's coming quick. Yeah. So so they're, the submarine's coming back up, and they can say on the one hand, look at all that we have done for, for the safety of the game. And then they will, with the other hand, say, sure, it's an 18-game schedule, but you'll only play a maximum of 16. And you're right. right. They're going to stand firm on that, and they're going to tell the players, this is the best deal you're going to get. You better take it. I can yep. see yep. it coming right now. And the union, uh, you know, if they're smart, would say, wait a minute. Our guys right now can't play more than 16, and many of them don't because of injury or they need rest. This is just going to force our guys into more games because they're going to rest two games and they're going to be marched out there for a full 16. Know what I'm saying? I bet you would have players playing more games on average because they're given two rest weeks that weren't actual game weeks before. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. They, they also tell you all the time the game is safer than it's ever been. Do we have data that backs that up? Is, is there anything? That, I don't know that how makes... they judge that. Is a sprained yeah. ankle counted amongst the safe, not safe part of the game, or is that just an injury? Well, and, and you also, you know, you hear you hear that uh, reported concussions are up. Well, okay, maybe they didn't check for them before, but you're still seeing, you know, guys get really whacked around and there's no trip to the concussion protocol. Or they go in, you know, wobbling like they're, they're about to fall over and they come out of right. the tent and they're declared fine. I right. mean, who knows? In real estate news, Dan Snyder is selling his house, or at least is back on the market again. He was on the market in the fall at $49 million, of course, it's a spectacular mega mansion on the banks of the Potomac River uh, with trees cut down against the Park Service's will. (laughs) And now it's back on the market, $49 million. This follows Bruce Allen's house reportedly being on the market as well. What's going on here, Andy? Anything? Well, I don't think Snyder's leaving town. Uh, Bruce Allen is, and Allen's house has been off and on also. I think he's been trying to sell that for some time. 
Um, I, I think Allen was 63, 64, maybe. Okay. So, you know, he, he may not stay much longer, but I, I, I heard that Snyder's just going to buy a bigger house or a different house. Bigger? Like, you know. Yeah. Bigger? Or, <laughs> why not? He, he, he bought a yacht that was, wasn't the yacht $180 million, It was. Like that? It was. Yeah. So, well, the you know, well the forty nine million dollar price tag is like second only to another house in the market, like the founder of AOL. I've been in that house. You Jim have, Kinsey. yeah. You've been he, in he Jim Kimsey's house. He, he passed away a few years ago, but um, yeah, I'll tell you why. This yeah. was uh, one of the early Tony Wilbon golf tournaments that was raising money for DC Cap. And uh, I was still working with Tony at the time, and I was invited. And the post-golf reception was at Kinsey's house. Wow. Which is unbelievable. Like, in the living room, the way it's set up, you feel like the Potomac River is running through the living room. <laughs> it's wow. Just, oh, it is spectacular. Yeah. If you won the lottery, and we're talking a $500 million lottery, would you buy a $50 million house? No, I'd buy a great apartment in New York City. How how much would you spend on a New York City apartment? Whatever it took, uh, $50 million, $100 million, you know. You'd spend $50 million in New York yeah. City? Right. I, I like the idea <laughs> of, of having the city as like my backyard. Right. And but uh, I, no, yeah. I don't I don't dispute you getting a sweet ass crib in New York City. I was thinking the number would be like seven or eight million. Nah, you can't get anything. Great. You can't get anything good for eight million. Let me tell you something. My son and his girlfriend live in an apartment on 103rd Street, and it is the size of like my old office. Oh, <laughs> my God. And, and he said he looked on Zillow and it's valued at over a million dollars. So, you know, to get what you want and what you need, it would probably take you $50 million. Wow. Okay. Very yeah. good. Hey, uh, Bagel Boy, go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. This is this is one of the all-time great real-life characters. I believe he is genuine in his volatility. I don't think he's doing this just for a YouTube channel. I don't think he's doing it as a work. I think this guy is fed up with being snickered at for being short. Yeah, I agree. I think, though, once he saw the reaction to the first one, he's milking it. Like, this is his 15 minutes of fame. So, But he's putting I, I, himself at severe risk. Oh, I know. Of but bodily I, I think, injury think, every single time he does it. I, I, the one in the in the bagel store, I think, was legit. The one I saw from the Seven Eleven looked like he was playing it for the camera. Plus, the cops were in there at the time, so right. he, and the cops were like, "No, that's not harassment. Settle down. <laughs> no, it's not." The cops were like, so, "Yeah, okay, right." Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we used to work with someone who was vertically challenged. Who I found. Perhaps more annoying Curtsy? than you did. Uh, Michael Kurtz. He's five <laughs> foot nothing, five foot. I don't know what Kurtz is. He's about that size. And and Kurtz is pugnacious. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so not a bad guy, but but not, not my favorite person I ever worked with. I think any grown man who is around the five foot range 
has got to be a little pugnacious just to survive because there is height bias in society for men. Don't you think? Yeah, there is. There is. There yeah. is. There, there's a guy who used to be a producer. Uh, he worked with Major League Baseball, and in the early days of home team sports, he was like one of the big executive producers there. And he was, he was very short, and he had a beard, and he needed that beard because if you don't have that beard, you know, people are, are, are telling you to go shop like in the boys department and things like that. Right. So, right. Uh, it, yeah. It's, 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 it's not a, it's not a good thing to have to go through life like that, but also bagel man isn't making things easier for himself <laughs> exactly. by behaving like that. Would you rather be 300 pounds and say five ten, or normal weight and five foot even? I can lose weight. I can't get taller. Let's say you were going to be 300 for as far as the eye could see. Six foot 300. Yeah. Well, it's six foot 300, five foot, and whatever that weight translates into being in decent shape. Pick one. I think think I'd take the weight. (laughs) Oh, you'd be six foot and fat. Yeah. Height. Ladies and gentlemen, proof of height bias. Andy yeah. does not like being overweight. He got himself in shape. He stayed yep. in shape. He goes to the gym every day. He brings his own towel because he only pays, what, <laughs> 12 cents a day at that club you belong to? $20 a month. 20 a month. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Uh, do TV ratings matter? Because the All-Star Game came in at a new all-time low. And I yeah. got into this with my friend Drew Olson, and he poo-pooed it going, ah, everything is down. TV ratings don't matter. This new generation, they don't own a TV, and they sure as don't have a Nielsen meter. Yeah, I, that's that's the Lavero theory that everything's down and we shouldn't panic about this. But I also felt like Harper and Machado aren't in this, and this was the youngest all-star game ever. And to me, you put the stars in, even if the stars are hitting 250. I know this comes up every year, yeah. and the stars weren't voted in. You know, in the past, you'll you'll have all star games where guys aren't deserving; they're voted in by the fans. And the favorite summertime sports argument is: Should the fans be allowed to vote? Give me a call. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so this year's game had a lot of nobodies. I mean, a lot of nobodies. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm saying is is that if, if you don't have the best-known guys in it, why is the casual fan going to watch? Yeah, it's it's a baseball all-star game, but these are all-star games, you don't, all-stars you don't know. And I, I just feel like that might help them. Now, you know, maybe the ratings be the same. I don't know. Maybe, you know, just that's just the, the nature of, of the way sports are on television. But uh, I don't think baseball's helping itself by not putting the biggest-name guys out there. Kettle Marte, and uh, I guess, I mean, you know, people know Baez and Freeman and Arenado and Yelich and Bellinger. It's Baseball just, fans do. Baseball fans right, do. Right, right. They, they haven't really made an imprint on society, but then again, baseball has lost that edge, that ability to make you go, hey, I know who these guys are because I see them in October every year. Yeah, I mean, you know, 50 years ago, Willie Mays was not a deserving all-star when he came here. But when I went to that game, that was the first time I'd seen Willie Mays in person. I thought that was a really big deal. Yeah, really. All right, we'll end on this. uh, NBA now. The Westbrook trade has gone down. Westbrook for Chris Paul. It is 
We'll take your Albatross contract for our Albatross contract. There's some hope that maybe Westbrook can coexist in Houston with Harden. I'm not only doubtful, I'm willing to bet it's got a 0.0% chance of working out. And as far as OKC goes, they're like, we don't really want this guy, but he's $12 million cheaper and he'll come off our books one year sooner. This is not good for the league. No, it's not good for the league. And I don't think it's going to be good for the Rockets because Paul is is more of a point guard than Harden. I know. I mean, not than uh, than uh, Westbrook. I know Westbrook has all those assists, and and he does make the players around him better. Paul George had a had a great year with him, but Harden wants his shots, and, yeah. and he wants the ball. Shots. That both guys yeah. want and need the ball. I mean, Westbrook gets a lot of assists because he's constantly plunging to the hole driving, dunking, layups, and kicking out. And there's a certain awesomeness to that. But from an offensive flow standpoint, and certainly from a standpoint of getting open threes and open threes, it's not the best style of play. They want Westbrook to go more side to side, not north to south, and he just ain't about that. That's not his game. Right. Yeah, I, I see. You know, just just because it seems that Paul might have been the problem and they disposed of him, uh, I think you're going to find that, that Harden is the problem. And I think by this time next year, they're going to be trying to figure out what to do with the two of them. I said they should eliminate trades in the NBA. Well, you Just know, li- here, literally here. eliminate trades and say, you can sign guys, you can drop guys, but the trading part has gotten out of hand. The big markets are picking on the small markets by saying, give us your good player, we'll give you a, a wish and a promise in the future in the form of first-rounders. It's not just the trades. It's who's making the trades. The trades are being done by the players. And the Kawhi agents. Leonard, yeah, Kawhi Leonard said, I'd like Paul George. Go get him. They did. That's and, unbelievable. And now you're it? also engaging these billionaires like Steve Ballmer who go, okay, let's do that. I can do anything. I'm Steve Ballmer. I paid $2 billion for a team that was worth less than a billion. I can do that. We need a, we need a better, bigger billionaire running our team. Because Ted's oh, a billionaire. Man. I think Ted's a billionaire. Well, he was at one point. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sure the stock is not worth what it was, but he's he's got plenty of money. The the problem with Ted is Ted is a guy who's been preaching, we're going to build it slowly. We're going to have patience. We're going to build around. No, that's not the way you do it now. Look, the the Clippers and the Brooklyn Nets were the Wizards two years ago. Now they're they're relevant, and that's how you do it. You just go for it one year, and like Toronto, when they when they well, Kawhi Leonard only has one year left. Why would you trade for him? Well, they won a championship. Now they'll worry about next year. Next year, that's the way it works. But you got to get somebody to take your money, and it can't be right. like the late Sid Thrift, GM of the Orioles, once <laughs> said. It's like I've got Confederate money here. Nobody wants to take it. Right, right, and that's what happened with Al Horford. He looked at money here, and they were going to give him what he wanted, and he decided, no, that's not the kind of money I want. That's not the place I want to go. I'm going to Boston. All right, I lied. Last, last thing. Andy, Mm -hmm. you have always been a guy that loves to go and enjoy the air conditioning of a good movie theater at 11 a.m. out of the gate on a summer weekend. Have you seen any movies, any good movies this summer? No, I've just, you know, I've just really caught up on the movies that are sent to me by the union, by the SAG after union. (laughs) The free DVDs of all the Academy Award nominees from last winter. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I saw um, the one about uh, Queen. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the, I love that one. Did you yeah, that, see that, the Elton John one? Obviously not, if you haven't been in the theaters lately. I know, I, I have not. Uh, have you seen it? No, my dad went to see it. He was okay with it, but he, he hadn't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm like, well, you should watch that one, because that one is really good. Speaking yeah. of musical yeah. movies, this movie yesterday looks like a hell of a funny concept. Have you heard of it? Which movie? Which movie? It's called Yesterday. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that is, except it, it, it's hard to buy. You know what? I'm not into fantasy. I don't I don't really like those kind of movies. Yeah, it, it does require that big leap of yeah. somehow the entire world was blanked of their memory of the m- most popular musical group on the earth, and it was wiped up right. from every database in the world but one guy wasn't and then he decides right. oh i'm just gonna go steal their songs and become a huge hit right right now, now I, I do know a woman who uh was holding her son and a ceiling fan fell down on her head and she lost everything in terms of memory she didn't know who she was Good she didn't Lord. know her husband and she had to start all over again and she did she she went to college graduated college decided that she could fall in love with her husband. They did, they stayed together and uh, got through it. But real story, a bigger leap. Yeah, I mean, I know her. She, wow. she, wrote, she even wrote a book about it. She a was my uh, spitting teacher at one time. A ceiling fan. <laughs> yeah. That's a dagger right, right there. I bet, right. I bet I bet the part in her hair was never right again. Like uh, uh, like know, Eddie from like Eddie from uh, Christmas Vacation. I tell you what, Clark, that metal plate that part's <laughs> never going to be right again. Ceiling <laughs> fan falls in your head. Wow, I'm glad she lived. I'm glad she put her life back together. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's but this is a bigger leap to me. So I don't know. I mean, I love the Beatles, obviously, but uh, I, I don't know if I would uh, like that one very much. Yeah, I don't really care for the Beatles. You know <laughs> what? <laughs> They ins- they insist upon themselves. <laughs> they I, I like the McCartney Godfather. And- they insist upon themselves. <laughs> I saw McCartney in concert. Uh, it's been about six or seven years now. He was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know what? We'll save for next week. Jim Bouton's Ball Four since he passed. Oh yeah. I need to start reading the damn book, and then I'll have yeah. a thing or two to share with you. But. That that's that's a book club you and I, Andy, for a whole separate week. All right. Well, we we, we once did an interview with him, and one of us had read the book. So <laughs> remember that. Uh, and we but, don't need but, to guess who read the book. Of course, it was Andy. But I, I I will tell you just as a teaser, when he made his comeback in nineteen, he was out of baseball for eight years, hadn't pitched in eight years, made it back to the major leagues, and I was at one of his games that he played in in Houston, nineteen seventy eight. It was nice. really cool. Very good. Yeah. All right, Andy. Great to talk as always. We'll chat next week, brother. Thanks. Very good, Zay. Let's end on this. Welcome to the legend of the Grandmaster Flush. Aha. Not Grandmaster Flash. Grandmaster Flush. Dateline Strasbourg, France. The International Chess Federation says it has suspended a player at a tournament in France after the man was caught red-handed using his telephone during a game. The organization said Friday on Twitter that all devices in the case of Igor's 
Rousis had been sent to the ethics committee in, re- in that it was determined to f- uh, fight cheating in chess. According to chess.com, a phone was found in the toilet that Rousis had recently used. He said, I simply lost my mind. I confirmed the fact I used my phone during the game. By written statement, what could I? What more could I say? At least I committed yesterday as a good lesson. Not for me. I played my last game of chess already. He's a 58-year-old Latvian Czech player who has won the Grandmaster title in 92 and represented Latvia, Bangladesh, and the Czech Republic in various international competitions. Wow, that's a chess master for hire. The Federation Director General Emil Sutovsky wrote on Facebook that Rousis had been long under suspicion for cheating and that catching him it was merely the first shot in a year-long battle, years-long battle against the practice. I don't know, I don't play chess. I'm too dumb for chess. It's probably in the same gene of, it's probably in the same lobe of my brain where math doesn't work for me, that chess doesn't work for me. But how do you cheat with your phone in chess? Do you upload pictures to a friend? Okay, what do I got here? I got a, I got a situation here. Uh, I got a rook, and I got a, got a king. And I, I is that all I can name? Is two guys? Yeah, that's all I can name. That should do it for me today. In fact, I'm out. Tap me out, baby. That'll be a wrap. As always, thanks for making time to listen in the ever-swelling ocean of podcasts out there. If you like it, spread the word. It is most appreciated. Download to the Zavecast app. It's free. And be a subscriber. It's only $1.15 per week, not $1.33. Thank you, listener Todd Holman. And as Casey Kasem once said, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. He also said, I think, watch out for my family when I die because there's some money-grubbing assholes. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. On cruise and lay back because it's summertime.